Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing, projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Punkcast. Today we've got Punk 1465 with three Yaddies, Cigarette, Regular Shades and Dark Mohawk. He's a builder and founder of Zappify, a really useful mobile web app that tracks live on-chain activity that I've used for early signal and alpha. Please welcome Seb to the show. Seb, how are you, man? Doing pretty good. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Mate, I think we've got a friend in common. Yes. So based here in Hong Kong, a good friend of mine, uh, Jessica Fong. So shout out to Jessica, not to sort of dox her as well, but I think uh, she's okay being doxed. Sounds like you guys go way back. Oh yeah, really back. I, I did a um, internship in China, like I'd say like maybe 10 years ago. It was in Shenzhen, well, not Shenzhen, uh, Dongguan, which is pretty close, in uh, Jessica's father, uh, father's factory. It was there for like three or four months and yeah, hung out with her a few times in Hong Kong. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's such a small world. Yeah, when you wrote that message, I was like, damn, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because she messaged me the other day because she knows I'm doing Punkcast and she just like goes, oh, hey, do you know, have you heard of Zappify? Zappa or Zappify? I said, oh yeah, actually, I think that's a, a punk project. And then I think we just connect with the dots. And so um, we sort of reached out on that basis, but it's pretty cool. It is a small world. I guess once you're in the punk community, everybody sort of knows yep. each other as well, which is kind of cool. All right. So I'm assuming your, your name's Seb, so there's not probably not a story behind that, but um, maybe if you can just kick us off by just giving us a, a brief introduction to yourself, I guess your background, where you grew up and what ultimately led you into Crypto and Web3. Yeah. So I'm from Montreal. Know, living there since since forever and college studied in finance and during my degree i kind of quickly realized that i i hated finance it's not something that i found particularly like enjoyable i had a few internships that i did and i'm and one of them that's where i really it was like oh finance isn't for me and also like that i had this kind of distrust with the industry and so i was working with the investment fund where they just managed you know people's portfolio and my internship supervisor would hunt for the things where he had the highest commissions instead of investing in the best things for his clients. And it was like, oh, this is the thing that everyone does. I, I was like, man, this is such a conflict of interest. And apparently this is not the only person doing this. And so, you know, I was kind of in this rebellious phase and I was like, yeah, this, I'm not, I'm not going to work in finance. And so during my internship there, I learned how to code. So that was virtually the only thing I would do. My supervisor didn't know that, but that was, yeah, I was just spending my entire days. I was like, ah, you know, I've not much to do. I don't like this. So might as well turn this into productive time. And so started building uh, websites, web apps, really just getting, you know, the basics. And yeah, right, right after that, my internship went back to, you know, uh, finish up my degree. And instead of finishing my degree, I was like, yeah, I'm just leaving. And so started my own startup it was the classic one in my parents basement and did it for about a year and it just failed i never launched a product like nothing what did, what did you build uh it was what was, the, what was the first thing you built uh so it was a marketplace to connect publishers of magazines with advertisers so publishers you know had magazines that they had difficulty selling ad space for so it's really like a traditional model um and they were struggling to, to, you know, to sell that real estate. And so I was building a marketplace so that they can connect with, with advertisers. So it was kind of like a, you know, AdWords, but like for magazines. Yeah, did that for a year. I never launched anything, uh, but learned a lot about technology. Like, I think it was a great way to just learn about building stuff. It was like a really complex project that kind of just naively went into. And so I was able to learn a ton about like design just you you fail so often that you know eventually you, you you know you find new things 
race to the build and yeah, it didn't work. And then my parents were like, oh, you should just finish your degree. And so I was pretty stubborn, but did it anyway. So I finished my degree. Uh, and then right after, as soon as I finished my degree, I find, found a job as a developer in a startup and did that for about a year. The startup got bought by uh, WeWork and worked on another startup. And then in 2017, that's where I discovered Ethereum. And at that point, I was really kind of, at that point, I didn't know that there was something else than Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I thought it was just Bitcoin. And so when I learned that there was something else that you, and on top, you can build things on top of it and build applications, smart contracts. I was like, oh yeah, there's, there's real potential here. And yeah, there's a few other startups in there as well, but at, at my last job before I started Zapper, I was at ShakePay and it was a Canadian exchange. And now it's like the biggest exchange in Canada. While I was there, we were like four or five employees. So, I mean, I've always been in the startup world. Uh, I know a ton about them. I worked in them. I saw the mistakes. I started my own. Um, and while I was there, that's where I started to experiment with DeFi. So this was probably mid-2019. And DeFi at that time, it probably had like 10 protocols, maybe 10, about $10 million in total value lock, like very, very small. I mean, to have $10 million in TVL, like if one person had $1 million, that was like 10% of all of DeFi. So, I mean, a million dollars is a lot, but like relatively speaking, like it shows how small DeFi was at that time. And yeah, I just started investing here and there, playing around different protocols. And as a kind of side effect of that, I really had difficulty tracking my own portfolio. It's like just really hard. And I knew that the chain is something that was transparent, that you can pull data from it. And so I was like, yeah, let me just take, you know, read these smart contracts, pull it in a way that's readable. That's, that's where the first version of, of Zapper came from. I was hanging out in a bunch of DeFi discords at the time. And so I knew pretty well, like the, the user base of DeFi, they wanted what they needed. It's still a very small community, but I, I knew that there's no, there's no one that was like reading contracts and s pulling data from it and putting it in a readable format. Like that did not exist at that time. And so it was a UI that just aggregated everything, connect your wallet, seemed very magical because you see all the numbers kind of appear instantly. And yeah, that was the MVP. And it's, it's interesting because at the time I knew it was going to be big because I knew that I was solving like a fundamental problem in decentralized finance. Um, and so if, if you were like DeFi is the future, well, seeing your balances in DeFi tracking portfolio is, is a fundamental need. People need that. So I knew I was going to ride the DeFi growth wave. I just never expected it to happen that quickly. And so, yeah, that's kind of like the pre zapper story. Yeah. So, so does it make you a full stack developer? Then you've, you've got skill base in front end, back end, DevOps, the, the full, full kit and caboodle, or do you, do you prefer sort of a, a specific part of development? I'd say it's a mix of everything. It's a mix of backend, frontend design and product. Cause you need to do all of those things in a startup. And so I had to learn how to do all those things equally. Uh, but I do have a, a pension for more like product design like I really want to be where you know my my users are that's pretty cool and and then so that when was that that was you said you started in 2019 sort of in that early yep. DeFi phase yeah because I think DeFi summer wasn't really mid-year 2020 right yeah so exactly 2020 that's yep. when that sort of kicked off I think that's when I got in Nice. Paying about three, three, four hundred dollars in gas fees just to uh, yeah, <laughs> put something into the curve protocol. Yeah, good old days. Yeah, that's sort of exciting. And so you got in through that sort of route, and, and then talk to me a little bit more about, um, I guess, your transition into NFTs because we'll come back to Zappify as well. At what point did you get into NFTs? So I wouldn't say it's necessarily a transition; it's more like an evolution, where. While we were building, you know, Zapper in the early days, which was really like a DeFi focused portfolio tracker, um, there's kind of like a, a switch that, that flipped 
in my mind. And that came from, I noticed a ton of people were using it kind of as a, bit like Facebook in this. They were looking at other accounts. And that became a huge use case of looking at what others had. And this is not something that's usual in finance. It's not something that's possible before. If you're using like mint.com or whatever, like portfolio tracking tool, you can't like look at what others have, right? It's only a single player view. And at that moment, I kind of realized, okay, this is probably a very, like just to view this as a portfolio tracker is too narrow-minded like for the space because people are, are using it to view other accounts. And so the kind of mindset switch that happened was we're not building a portfolio tracker, we're building an account profile. And it happens that we just started servicing the finance part of your account profile. We haven't surfaced the other parts yet, but you know what you invest in, the protocols are a part of are a part of your identity. People look at other accounts to know that. So it is, you know, a part of your identity. Just so happens we just surface that part first. And so once that switch happened, it became very natural for us to add DAOs, you know, memberships and show your NFTs that you're a part of. Because uh, all those things form, you know, kind of your identity. There's These are assets you own. And then another thing is, I always found it very weird that we create categories for things or that sometimes we force categories because the chain doesn't care if something is DeFi. DeFi does not, it's not like, it's not written in the smart contract that a thing is DeFi. Like these are all assets. They're assets that have different properties that can be used for different things. And so with like that being said, there's often weird things that sit like a lot of DeFi summer was not really finance. It was more like a game in a way where you stake something or you stake the food coin to, you know, to earn something else. It's not really finance. And same thing, like there's NFTs that can represent financial assets. You know, Swap B3 is an NFT that represents a position. And so like, there's a lot of things that kind of sit on the overlap, like these categories, you know, and also the space is super composable. So you can take an NFT, now put it as collateral and borrow against it. So it's a mix of if we just surface your portfolio tracker and we don't service NFTs, well, there's a big part of your position that's kind of missing. Like how much is that NFT worth or what is it? And so it, you know, all of that, it kind of just became very natural for us to start investing in other areas. And, you know, we kind of position ourselves long-term to be, you know, we want to be a ether scanner for everyone. Like we want to build a retail block explorer Our like our, you know, nobody starts a startup and it's like, first thing, let's figure out our mission. You know, it's like, what's the problem? You're just trying to figure out what exactly you're solving. And that's what happened with us. Like the initial problem was the DeFi portfolio tracker. But then you're like, well, what really we're doing is we're making uh, the chain more readable. And that's where kind of our mission spread from too, is to get, make, make it blockchain readable for everyone. And so it becomes more natural to see like these you know, if you're navigating the product maze, like to see what things you can do in the future when, you know, you, you kind of built this this foundation. It sounds like you've gone through a bit of an evolution of Zepify from being a portfolio tracker to something a little bit more now. Like if you were to summarize, you know, what what's the key problem that you think Zepify sort of solves? Because I think it solves multiple sort of things in my mind, right? So the number one problem is the chain is not readable to, I'd say, most people in the space. And so if it's not readable, you can't really use it properly. Uh, cause where are you, where are you consuming information to make actions on chain? Are you using Twitter? Twitter might not show you the right information. It might be highly biased, might be fil filtered. You know, if you're trying to find opportunities using uh, a source that's far away from the chain, it might be tampered with. It might be not true. And so people don't really read the chain right now they use it and to me that's the number one problem uh, that exists but the transparent part of blockchains is honestly one of the most important properties that it has no it's, it's super cool because I, I think i probably you're right up until meme coin season came out again i probably was just more you know using the chain but i think meme coin season's coming up i'm like wanting to know which wallet to 
about biggest bags in which coins, if they start dumping, it's a signal for me to start exiting or, you know, triangulating around a group of people that I trust tracking their wallets. What are they all buying? I think it's a signal for me to to go and do those things as well. So from that perspective, 100% super useful. But I think you started talking something a little bit more around identity as well, which I could sort of see it flowing into, which is super fascinating as well, right? Because you start triangulating the on-chain data, the things that they own, and they start signaling something about that person as well, which could be super useful for businesses and brands and to do a whole bunch of things as well, right? So I think that's probably why I was digging a little bit on the problem that you were trying to solve. Yeah, well, there's absolutely that. And I think um, like there's a flip in it that happened. And I think it was probably accelerated with NFTs is that there's people that have large audiences, not because of the content they post, but because of their on-chain identity. Say, for example, uh, Dingaling. Dingaling probably doesn't have 100, I don't know, 100K followers on Twitter because of the content. Um, he has that amount of followers because he is an NFT whale. Uh, and people are interested because of, you know, you can move markets, move uh, floor prices and stuff like that. And so the, the basis of his reputation and audience sprouted from the chain versus the other way around. And I think that's going to happen more and more. As we surface the chain better and better, people will start following people or basing someone's identity uh, from the chain itself versus the other way around. It's not like someone has, and you see it with meme coins, so many problems arise from someone that built an audience of like 500k followers on Twitter <laughs> says, oh, I built this meme coin, buy it, and then instantly dumps it. Yeah. The reputation of the person was built through their content, not necessarily what happened on chain. Because if you were looking at on chain what that person did, they probably just dumped stuff and you wouldn't trust. It's a very different person. Yeah. Uh, one is the illusion and one is the actual person. Yeah. Uh, and I think like that's a, a major opening that'll happen. And I think something too, I, I was, you know, I was thinking, you know, a lot about is, you know, when when Ethereum initially launched. It was only, you know, zero X addresses. And how can people with just zero X addresses interact? How can I know that I'm sending, you know, money to the right person? The only way you can do that is by taking off chain information. So I DM you, you give me your address, you verify it. And so that's how I know that's your identity. But with time for us to, we know it's, it's not like fully decentralized if we're using off-chain sources to be able to conduct business uh, between each other. And so with time, we're migrating more and more parts of our identity and our reputation to the chain so that we can conduct business in a trustless way without relying on mess you messaging you. Like, you know, because now I can verify that someone has this punk and this ENS and stuff like that, I'm able to conduct business with that person directly on-chain without leveraging off-chain information. And we're still in the very early days of that, but to me, you can clearly see the trend long term, where identity really sprouts from the chain itself versus the other way around. It's really exciting to hear people like you talk like this too. I guess you know the volatility in the markets at the moment with you know crypto and NFTs sort of makes you wondering whether or not we've got a future. But I think just listening to you, I, I feel a little bit more optimistic that we've got something to look forward to. So that's it's really cool what you're sort of building with Zappify, man. And I, I think for you then, like, and, and Zappify, like, what does success look like in the next few years? Like, what are your sort of ambitions? Like, where do you want to take it next? Well, for us, it's like, have we answered the question of like, have we made the chain readable to, to everyone? And everyone could be many things, but honestly, you say everyone is like, we're, we're talking about like the world. Like, want as much people as we can to be able to read the chain, because we we think you know there's there's a lot of like things we're we're thinking like non obvious things you know to progress the space. And to us, one of them that you know is obvious to Zapper that might not be obvious to others is instead of just hiding that you're using crypto, why not just make it more front and center? Like, why not just make the chain? way more readable, easy to digest. And so people can live closer to it and start marketing. Uh, like yesterday, I, I made a tweet, like an analogy to 
Facebook. And the saying, Ethereum is a social network. You know, accounts, there's accounts and we can transact. And it evolves a lot like you know, a network. But one of the problems is it's not a network that's very readable. And so you can imagine like if Facebook in the early days was only readable by very technical people, how much the growth of Facebook would have been stunted. And so that's one of the big barriers is like a lot of people are focused on the right and these new assets, but like, how can we make so that, you know, those things are actually readable and people can learn and, and see what, what's, what the hell is happening. And that's a gap that we want to, want to fill there that I think will really help push towards more adoption. Yeah, that's cool. And so how are you thinking through multi-chain? Are you mostly focusing on ETH at the moment? Are you looking to roll us out for multiple chains? EVM mostly, and then others? Yeah. Right now we're very focused on EVM just because like, we're, we can't do everything. We're very open to pick, a, you know, start building on other chains, but you know, we're really big believers in, you know, the EVM ecosystem. We think it has really strong network, network effects. I think it just even got more solidified in this bear market, but you know, Ethereum has only existed for eight years. That's like a blimp in the history of technology. So we're always open, you know, and flexible. Oh, I mean, just on EVM alone, I mean, you've got so much yeah. already, right? You've got Avalanche, BNB, you've got the L2s that are coming. It's it's huge. And even, you know, ETH alone is just already so much there. It's a rich data there. It'd be interesting to sort of what you pull out of it. Oh, that's cool. Absolutely. And, and what's what's your team like? Are you, is it, are you a Lone Ranger or you've got a, a bit of an A team with Zappify? So we, we're about 20, 23. Most of the team is in Montreal. We're a very like engineering heavy team with it's like 80, 85% of the entire team is just engineers, but you're very product and tech focused. Yeah. A lot of them work for companies like uh, Shopify, Facebook, uh, Google. And, and how would you, how would you think about monetization as well? Like how does Zappify sort of monetize? Yeah, there's a few avenues, two of them, which are already in place. So the first two is fees on transactions. So you only have a fee on swaps and bridging. The value is really just in the convenience. You don't have to leave, you can do everything from Zapper. And the other one is uh, with our API. Uh, so we have a few enterprise API uh, customers that need highly interpreted on-chain data. These are often like consumer apps. It might be like a, a fund, you know, there's a ton of APIs for like raw and literal on-chain data, like as it is, but there's not that many for interpreted and human readable data. Uh, and so that that's a, a part of our offering. And then the third one that we're currently exploring is subscription based. So have like a Zapper Pro that uh, is based, basically like our feature set, but on steroids. Maybe like a Nansen or something like that. Kind features. of, yeah. 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 The delicate balance is like, you don't want to, uh, like if our goal is to make the chain readable to everyone, there's the word everyone. So it's not like we can make the chain readable to only people that pay. So there's that delicate balance uh, that, you know, we still want to maintain. Nice. And, w and where are you with, uh, I guess, fundraising and everything else? Like what's the so ultimate sort of end goal? Would you drop tokens for all the users or uh, you want to list or go private? Like what's your, what's your sort of end goal? I don't know. Um, I, I want to see how far I can bring this. That's like the first thing, anything else related to like, you know, if it's a token, if it's a, you know, a sale, it's kind of secondary and not something that I've been like proactively thinking about. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Well, mate, uh, looking forward to what comes next for Zappify, man. I'll be, uh, be using it a little bit more uh, as this meme season sort of c c continues. Um, or not. We'll see. Uh, exactly. So so maybe going back to, I guess, your NFT journey, you, you sort of said it was a natural sort of transition. What was your first NFT that you bought? Do you remember? It was maybe my pump. I knew I, like, I bought NFT. Oh, no, I don't think it was my pump. Cause like I collected NFTs. I don't think I'd say like it was buying. Just like, I know like uh, in DeFi summer variable was, you know, getting good traction. I might've bought stuff there, but like the first one that I actually remember was uh, a wizard of forgotten runes. That was, I think in the summer of 2021, 
like maybe two months before the crazy, you know, just run. Uh, it's completely insane. And then quickly after I got my, my punk, they're pretty close succession. So talk to us about your, your punk journey then. So you were obviously a ETH, you know, DeFi summer builder. You know, what was it about punks that you, that sort of, you know, um, got you interested uh, and ultimately buying one? So punks have an interesting like story for, for me. A lot of people in, you know, discords in mid 2019 had punks as avatars just in the discord. So I knew what they were pretty early on. And I remember like just wanting one at that point. And then I went to CryptoPunks marketplace and damn, they're one eat like what the hell and never like that's way too much. Um, so I just <laughs> ne I never, I never bought one. That ETH was maybe like a hundred dollars. Maybe it was even less. Like it was, it was ridiculous. But at the time, I don't know. I thought it was really expensive. It's a, when you were talking about most of the people in the discords had punks. Like what kind of discords were they? I was like, you know, synthetics discord. I, I know that, you know, there's a f quite a few punks in there and they had them as their avatar. They had built their identity. And so that's something I thought was really interesting is it really stuck out from the bunch because, you know, in discord, a lot of people have random avatars, but you know, when you see, you see one person, you, you're like, oh, this is just a random avatar, but then you see another one with the same one and then the other one. And so there's kind of like this network effect early on of like, oh, I recognize, okay, what is this? And then I became really curious about it and then read and then learned about these NFTs and, and stuff like that. So. I think there's small like punk community that built up from uh, the synthetics discord kind of kind of like that because it wasn't like a sh super big community either yeah and were, there, were those guys like relatively credible that you were trying to get a little bit of signal from trusted sort of people in the community oh definitely or? they're always like pretty smart i'd say yeah, yeah. now that's cool yeah so that sort of inspired you to take a look at punks a little bit further yeah i mean if there's just you know Shouting garbage, I probably wouldn't have paid much attention <laughs> to it. <laughs> Which uh, feels like the market at the moment. Um, yeah. And, and like, uh, so after that, I was maybe, I had started Zopper and then we're like, we're building an about us page. And this was, I think, in like 2020, maybe uh, end of 2020. And, you know, I, I was like, oh, I, let's buy a punk for everyone at Zapper to build our about us page and it'll be like our, the Zapper avatar. And so I went back to CryptoPunks marketplace and they were a bit higher, not that much higher than the year ago or like six months or nine months before. I was like, oh, this is too expensive. No, I'm not buying one. And so my uh, decision to buy punks, uh, so the punk that I, I currently have, there's a bit of like, coping involved like okay i, I need one this, this is like, <laughs> i'm not gonna I, I need to pull the trigger i said no too many times and i just i really like them and it's also when i start to really understand more nfts and their value and that zapper you know started supporting them and so yeah it's like i need i need more um and i really resonate with the punk culture as well so, so, so maybe talk a little bit about your selection process when you said coping when, when was this that you bought the punk and how were you thinking through specific traits? I mean, your one's really cool. I mean, he's got the cigarette trait too, which, which uh, I love, but talk to us about that selection sort of process. Yeah. So the selection process was simple. My one, I was like, these are crypto punks. I want the most punk one as possible. So <laughs> Mohawk, the sunglasses and the cigarette I saw it. I was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a punk. So yeah. that's the one I picked. Yeah. And when, when did you pick him up? So you picked him up August in 2021. Yeah. I think the floor was around uh, like 30 something. And I, I picked it off like, I think maybe like 10 years ago, of course, because I really liked it. Yeah. No, he's uh, super clean and it de definitely signals punk vibes for sure. And I think that's probably similar to why I, I chose, I think the cigarette just really yeah. hits, hits home. That this is yeah, like really I love a vibe. cigarette. <laughs> I don't smoke. That I smoke in the metaverse. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And and so you you mentioned you you know you really vibe with the punk culture. 
you know, what does sort of punk culture mean to you? I mean, it, it was like um, kind of this tech counterculture. And it, it's interesting because it, like, it can mean a lot of things and something different for everyone, which I think is like, that's what, to me, it's like, it's art because we can all associate different, something different to punks. And that's an important thing. But like, to me, you know, there's this, you know, Silicon Valley clean part of tech that I've never really liked. Like the whole SaaS, you know, stuff I found was super boring, not exciting. And so like all these clean, like Stripe landing page looking websites, like everything looks similar, talking the same language, a lot of fluff words around like, re let's revolutionize or like disrupt this thing. And to me, like punks represented like the counterculture of that. And I've never found, like, I've never really fit in like the clean cut Silicon Valley mold of, of tech as always like, you know, never th thought it was me. And so it was, it's, it's fun to like be able to anchor yourself to a different part of tech that, you know, I didn't like, didn't know it really existed or like there's other people like me. And that's like, I, I, I saw a lot of that at crypto, like a lot of this, like, tech counterculture, which I thought, thought was really interesting. And I, I saw a lot with NFTs, like a lot of NFTs kind of expressed that. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think you've, you've hit it nicely on the head. I mean, the way that you're sort of describing that clean look, it feels contrived. It feels fake yeah. and almost yeah. borderline cringe. Whereas exactly. now you're like rocking a punk. It's just like, it's counterculture. It's just cool. Like if you know, you know, kind of thing. And, and now that you're sort of mentioning it too, like, you know, when Web3 companies are coming out and they're posting stuff about, you know, where, you know, latest Web3 product, metaverse gaming, whatever it is, and then you go to their team and they've actually got their own profile pictures up, like, I can't take them seriously. I'm like, going, if you've got a punk or something like that, then I think it really gives you a lot of legitimacy in the space in some ways. And I'm not sort of saying that in a biased way. I think it's, it's got some of those deep embedded roots around, you know, that counterculture that you sort of speak of, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and it's it's amassed such a like good community, which is I find it always always interesting because you know you have this NFT that you know people buy, and somehow like there's a there's still like um, part of the community that's pretty consistent across the board, and I, I can't like speak of that to like all the NFT projects. Um, some with really good brands are able to like do it properly, but you know even posts that you know don't really have centralized direction able to build like this kind of community that kind of resonates in similar ways yeah absolutely and so like if you if you were to look across i guess the the punk community do you have like a favorite punk that comes to mind or punks i really like uh i forget is is punk number um the founder of fire i had some really good conversations with them in Miami, there's like a punk meetup, and For very fire? like fire is in the you know, um, the, the blockchain. The, or? Uh, no, no fire. Sorry, the uh, uh, Chrome plugin. Ah, okay. You, yeah, you you might you might have to send me his uh, Twitter handle. I'm not sure I'm familiar with with him. So he's a punk, is he? Yep. Yeah, you should check out that product. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's cool. And if money wasn't an issue, what would be your dream punk? Do you think? Really good question. I'm tempted to like have the easy answer and like be alien punk, but I don't think like that's the one that I kind of would go first. I don't know why, but I have this pension for like dead NFTs, like just zombies or like skulls and stuff like that. And I don't know why there's something about them that just resonates. So like, I think like probably be a zombie punk that has a cigarette. I think hoodies might be a controversial opinion, but I think they're overrated. I can understand why they're like, <laughs> They're so like, they're liked and stuff like that, but you know, I want to see more of the face. And so uh, definitely a cigarette. I know about the head trait. Just like a hat. Zombie, no, zombies are cool. I think the, the zombie with the 3D, I think because the red and the blue Ooh, and the green yeah. just really, really, really pops. They'd be pretty cool. Cool. And then in terms of going back to a little bit about, about punk culture, um, how do you feel about V1 punks in general? I think they're an interesting part of history i think a lot of people have kind of tried to make them more like canon which is interesting like 
in the sense that like the like the real like the true original but like at the end of the day it's like it's what people believe is the you know the original to be the original regardless of if one was before uh, the other it's like the social capital that's around something that's really important but I, I still think they're cool i probably won't get one because i get everything from owning a regular punk i don't know like I'm, i might i might get one religiously if it just pumps like crazy and it have fomo but <laughs> like um, everything else yeah yeah but you know i i definitely i can appreciate them uh, for sure like they're a part of like history and part of like uh you know, they're part of like punk culture anyway. Uh, yeah, for sure. What what about your take on BTC punks and ordinals in general? I think it's generally pretty bullish on punks. I think it's very bullish because the first thing you see on a new chain, NFTs will be a punk derivative. It's like the yeah, the attention or like the like punks of one, like there's the first thing that people think about. And another chain and i think like that value flows back to punks whether that's like indirectly in the future or whatever like to me that's that's like the fact i like to stick to because you know blockchains are people can do whatever they want they can put anything uh, on them you know there's going to be btc punks there's going to be punks of all sorts you know and people are doing it because they crypto punks have such a uh, command, such a like lead in terms of, you know, just see attention. Like people view them as like the grail of, of PFPs and NFTs. It's probably the most rec- like the most recognizable NFT out there. And then some, I think like a lot of people will be like, oh, this is bad, but I kind of view it in a good way. Like I think long-term it's better because it just attack, it brings more attention. Like people know that, you know, from to, what the original punks are yeah it's funny it's funny you say that because um I, I guess it is true right as soon as there's a new chain that's just opened up i mean the first nft collection would generally be a, a punk collection like finance punks, yeah. RB punks, punks, punks yeah, yeah optipunks rb punks which is kind of funny yeah so yeah and i'll probably agree with you that, that they probably do accrue value back to punks just keeping us forefront of attention right the, the more of them sort of pop out but it, it can get a little bit annoying when you don't know whether or not they're really a punk and they're trying to hit you up. So some of them might be a little bit grifty, a part of the game, I guess. And how, how do you feel about, I guess, the Uger acquisition of the, the punk's IP? I think generally it's pretty good. I think initially I was, I'd say mildly concerned, not that I was like concerned, but Yuga um, had a track record of like very utility-based NFTs and punk's value never was about utility. It's more about like cultural significance. So it was like, oh, what are going, what are they going to do with this? And in uh, I was in Miami, and it was um, there was a punk unveiling at the uh, uh, Museum of Contemporary Art in Miami, and I was there, and I was next to um, I think the person in charge at Yuga taking care of the uh, punk's IP. Uh, no, I think yeah, no, and. I found it was doing such a good job of like promoting and talking about like the uh, cultural relevance of punks. And he was talking to like the, the people that were there that he was talking to were like maybe, you know, 40, 50 and like traditional art lovers. And he was talking to them and talking about like the significance of, of punks. And so that gave me a lot of confidence in Yuga because to me, it's like they, they don't view this as a utility player or anything. Like they're really here. They understand what punks are, what they represent. And they're doing a lot of education. They put them in museums uh, to kind of put forward, you know, that this is like a culturally significant piece. And more and more people are seeing them in like the real world. And people ask questions and they're like, oh, what are these things? And I want them to see the, uh, int- int- important cultural aspect instead of like the uh, just baggage, speculative baggage or stuff about you'd see about NFTs if you do, do a quick you know YouTube search or anything like those terrible videos uh, uh, about them and stuff like that. Like so, I think like doing that work is really important, and it gave me a lot of confidence in 
in yuga having them um the fact that they haven't really done anything with the, the nfts is good uh, and so yeah i think it, it's been a good thing so far that's uh, it's nice i think um noah's been a really good uh, addition as well in terms of what he's been able to sort of bring especially with i guess his background and knowledge at um some of the auction houses there so so you were at the miami opening of that CryptoPunk piece like did they have much of a, a speech or a ceremony or anything like that what was that like no it wasn't really a speech it was pretty like um or i mean i wasn't there for the entire evening um but it, it was it was just cool to see like and you know, a lot of like traditional like art lovers like asking questions about it being like very curious and open-minded and you know although like pretty anecdotal like i think i think we um underappreciate like a lot of like the traditional art community and they're you know they're often very counter whatever like the mainstream things because you know if you just think about contemporary art it's the most like the thing that mainstream think is the most dumb and they see value in it and so that that's something i I find really interesting that struck me because i'm like actually like people in real life aren't don't all think the same thing about it. These are a lot of people that are very open-minded them. And that's how like adoption kind of gets going. And yeah, I, I thought it was like so interesting to see someone I wouldn't associate with NFTs. Like there was this uh, lady, she's probably like in her mid fifties or like sixties. And she was asking really, really good questions, uh, you know, about punks. And I was like, yeah, so th- this was like, kind of bullish in the sense that, oh, this thing can escape the tech nerd um, community that we currently have. Like, I, I do see this, like, kind of evolving from that because it can be appreciated from others. And this is not just only pumps, but, like, NFTs in general. So that kind of helped me kind of realize that. But in the sense, like, there weren't, like, really any, like, speeches or anything. It was really just this casual setting for people to just talk. And Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll have to go and visit that. The, the one in Miami was um, the one located right next to the Warhol piece, right? Was it the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, cool. Yeah, that's that one, the piece is a really cool one. Mate, so, so, so talking about art, um, and I've just had a quick look at your um, gallery, mate. You've got quite the collection. You've got Punk, Apes, uh, Rip Cash, Pinder Van Armen, uh, some really beautiful pieces in here. Uh, Rip Rainstro uh, as well. So like, you know, what sort of pieces do you like collecting? Like what, what, um, what's your collecting style? Would you, would you say? Um, it's a good question. Like I, I'd say one thing that I really enjoy collecting are is on-chain art. So the thing that's like 100% on-chain, because I, I think like it's a underappreciated part of, of NFTs is like, there's people that make the effort that will pay an insane amount of gas just so that their art piece can live 100% on Ethereum, like, and not depend on IPFS or anything else. It's just like immutable. It's going to be there as long as, you know, Ethereum. And I think there's a lot of value in that. And, you know, Rip Cash in particular is, I'd say like top three favorite artists just because of like the social commentary. So it's something like I do like enjoy like learning more about the story behind pieces because obviously there's visually what it looks like, but that's only a, a part of it. Um, like with Rip Cash, I think it's so interesting, like the, the entire thinking that goes behind uh, his pieces and it went way deeper than I thought. Uh, so the main like aspect to uh, his collections is really like the uh, surveillance camera. And that's something you'll see consistently across the pieces. Um, and one big thing that is talked about in this piece is, is or the commentary is around identity and what it means to, uh, you know, live in the digital age. And really interesting part of identity is in a transparent world, like a blockchain that, you know, you can see everything. What does that also mean for outcome? from the aspect of identity and one of the things he talked about is you know i'm putting my camera on chain and so in a way it's like representing the fact that anyone could look at what's happening on chain and looking at all the transactions that are happening 
And it's also a big part is the, uh, the duality of like transparency versus privacy. A lot of his works kind of, you know, explored that duality of like transparency. What does it mean for privacy and privacy? You know, cause there's uh, a truth that we are, ha haven't fully confronted yet with blockchains is the fact that they're transparent, that you can see any, everything and not everyone fully realize that fact because there's people that are getting caught doing bad things but also like people aren't realizing it because you know they're making decisions about their identity without knowing without fully realizing that anyone can know exactly what they're doing like if everyone knew that the transparent blockchain was transparent that everyone can see what you're doing uh it would probably change your behavior or change the way you build up your identity so a lot of his work kind of explores that and there's obviously like the whole web two critique part on like surveillance and there being more and more surveillance. And then one part two that I really, really like about his work is about like digital, uh, landscapes. So, uh, in traditional art, like landscapes help set up the mood. So you have like a subject and you have like the environment that's around, whether it's like a field or like the ocean and it helps sets up the mood. But there's no real, like, when you think about, like, a digital landscape or a landscape, like a blockchain landscape, what does that look like? What, how do we express a, a feeling of, like, being in the digital world? You can't put a notion because those things aren't, like, part of the environment. So he uses a lot of, like, windows and, you know, things that you'd see when, you know, using a computer operating system. Cause that's like our digital landscape is just a bunch of windows open, like, uh, your mouse and like your, your navigation screen. So that's a part of this work too. Cause he uses that as a way to like build up like this digital landscape. So it's like, as you're using this digital landscape, you have this camera that's like looking at you. So it's, it's very deep. Uh, and also didn't like do it fully justice, probably the 10% of it. And, and so like, there's so much or, about his work that I think will live because we're in a unique spot where privacy and transparency are, are becoming more and more of like this essential issue, issue with humanity. And I think like his art just, just represents this moment in time that I think will become very, very important in the future, uh, as just thinking back about this kind of, uh, you know, turning point in, in human history. No, I think I think you um, did him really, really great justice, man. I think I've uh, learned a lot just in that moment you're you're talking about uh, his work. So I've, I'll have to take a bit of a, a deeper dive into his stuff. It's actually really cool. So, uh, man, oh man, a bit of a, a bit of a lesson there. And I know you, I sort of see you've got some clear silvers in there as well, uh, which is kind of cool. Muffers, man, you've got you've got everything, and you've got some art blocks pieces as well. Yep, they're so, a uh, really really beautiful collection. Um, and, and like Thank you. For, you, for you now, like, you know, are you sort of net collecting or are you just, um, holding, you're buying or selling, like what's your sort of position at the moment? Always collecting. Okay. Always collecting. Never stop. <laughs> My problem is I spend too much ETH. Every time I have ETH, I just spend it. Uh, it's <laughs> really becoming an issue because I also want ETH as well, but somehow I just spend it on art, which I think is, is fine as well. I think art. I think I feel better spending ETH on art, even if it goes down in value, as opposed to meme coins. These meme coins are just burnt through my ETH in, in a different way, mate. And and so, if you look back at your NFT career to date, um, what would be your, I guess, your biggest win uh, or loss that's worth mentioning? A good question. I think hmm, biggest win. I've had a few of them, but I think like Azuki's probably be among the top ones was in like pretty, pretty early. I think like my biggest one with the Azuki's is, so I think I, I had like around 10, 10 of them and they did the beans airdrop. They'd get two for every Azuki that you had. And so I got 20 beans. I had that airdrop and in those 20, I got the number one bean, like the rarest bean, uh, which is the only, uh, as no trade, it's a spirit bean. Um, and so I got super lucky. And I think that's probably my, my biggest win in NFTs is being able to get this one of one uh, bean uh, just through an airdrop. 
That's pretty cool. And it's funny how I realized it because the airdrop happened and I would be getting like ridiculous offers. And I looked at it, I was like, what the hell is going on? What, and what, then what are, I, what are they, what are, what are they worth now? Beans? The, uh, the spirit one that you, you pulled. Oh. I don't know. Like, I think like number six or seven in rarity got sold for like 25 ETH around that range recently. So I think wow. it'd be like probably 30, 35. It's the rarest one. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah. But at the time I was getting offers like 60, 70 ETH for the, the beans. And I didn't know it was the rarest one yet. So I was like, okay, I need to check check this out. And then I, I went to, um, I forgot the website at the time for like rarity. And it was there, number one. It's just a mind blown moment. And my worst, my worst traits, I had a few. I, I think like cool cats, I went way too hard. Cool cats, I still like them, but like, man, I bought the absolute Pico top. They're, um, they're sort of recovering now, aren't they? They've got like a new team and they're doing some stuff. Yeah, I still I, I I love uh Klon. It's his life's work and I'm bullish on people. I'm I'm not too worried about the future. It's just a mild pain buying at the absolute top. Yeah, no, that's cool. Mate, um so Seb, that that's sort of last series of the questions that I normally ask punks, but um, you know, this is a really fun conversation to sort of unpack your punk story uh and listen to your journey into Zappify and, and where you sort of go next. But just maybe one last question before we go. If you could pass on a message to the next owner of your punk, 1465, what would you like to say to them? That is not something I've ever thought about. I, I assume that I'd always have this punk. Wow, this is such a good question. I don't want to like, I want to answer it properly. Something that resonates more with like helping like tech people, probably around that, like, you know, tech counterculture and, you know, thinking differently and not think about like, not be a little too much conformance. It's okay to like be weird. So like something around that, I don't know what organizations will look in the future, but that's, that's how I think of like, you know, leveraging its history. Like assuming that, you know, Zapier becomes hyper successful and it's something that I hold forever. That's probably like how I, I want it to be like used. So probably like donated to a cause I care about. Uh, super cool. Uh, I think they'll be very lucky and honored to have uh, your punk. Uh, one day mate uh, and i guess any last final closing comments on your side and you know what's the best way for people to i guess find you and yeah so you can you know play around with zapper at zapper.xyz so you know following different accounts you can see what they're up to on chain you can track your own uh, portfolio whether that's the nfts you own the DeFi assets and protocols you're a part of DAO memberships explore other accounts as well and if you have any feedback, you know, you can follow me as well at uh, sepoddead26. My DMs are always open, so feel free to reach out. And yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, thanks for your time, Seb. I know you must be super busy, but uh, if you ever visit this side of the world again, like Hong Kong, yes. we'll, we'll uh, get Jess and uh, we'll go hit the town. Oh, I'm, I'd be super down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, guys, that wraps up another episode of Punkcast for the week. And uh, we'll be back next week with another awesome punk. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.